The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning's text comes to us from John's Gospel, and John probably written somewhere between 80 and 85 AD for a very special purpose. And John himself gives us that purpose so we know exactly his goal. He writes that in chapter 20, that Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So there's the purpose. And today, our gospel account is that of John the Baptist, who shares that very same purpose, that all that he does is to prepare the way for the coming ministry of Jesus. Now, so far in this season of Advent, as we've been preparing to celebrate the, the birth of our Savior next Sunday night, we've also been preparing for His return. And in that preparation for Jesus to come back to bring the kingdom of God in all of its fullness, the world put right, we've been following this progression. Jesus is going to arrive, so we have to prepare. And in this preparation today specifically, we talk about the witness. So what witness means is that we, we see and we share. It is something that we are an eyewitness to the account, the happening, the occurrence, the experience of Jesus. But not only do we receive that for ourselves, we share it with those that we come across. This word witness in Greek also shares this same meaning of testimony, that you have this eyewitness testimony to share. 
Unfortunately, it also comes with another translation, that of martyr. (laughs) But sometimes in this process of sharing your testimony, your witness, well, that follows with sometimes persecution, even unto death in some circumstances. Now, John, in verse 6, begins our text this morning with just a very weighty sentence. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, every time in John's gospel, when he talks about John, he's not talking about himself. This is not autobiographical. He is talking about John the Baptist. He has this strange sense that whenever he writes about himself, he doesn't mention himself by name. So when he says John, he's referring to the Baptist. And I think this verse reads a lot like a great American novel, right? It just sets you up for great weightiness and purpose. A man sent from God. What power and authority comes with those words? There's so much weight and intrigue with this. To be sent from God implies the highest level of authority and power to the message that he has to share. And John continues, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John is not simply, this baptizer is not simply just an observer of casual events and then just simply states the facts He is transformed and consumed by this message that he has to prepare the way. That this message is all important. Because he bears this message so that for the purpose of others believing in Jesus and that by believing they may be saved in his name. He was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. Now, just like the moon does not emanate light of its own, but it reflects the light of the sun, so John the Baptist is emanating this light, bearing witness, reflecting the light of Christ into the darkness of the world. And we are much the same when we witness, when we testimony. We don't just emanate light that's of ourselves, but reflecting the light of Christ in the lives of those around us. We have an eyewitness account, a story that God has written onto our own hearts and souls that he has gifted us to share with the world. We are an eyewitness account of Jesus' story in our own lives, and we are to testify concerning it. And this is who we witness to. John the Baptist, his, his uh, message was to those who are coming out from Jerusalem. The evangelist John, the author of this gospel, his audience was that of the Jews, particularly Jews who had been burned out on religion and moved on from this idea of waiting for the Messiah. Also, spiritualizing Jews who had reduced the promise of Messiah to a concept that was disconnected from a flesh and blood Savior, or even those who had reduced their belief in God to a system of religious laws and rules that if they adhered to perfectly, they could please God. 
Well, if you think about it, that doesn't sound too different from the folks that we're supposed to witness to. Right? Maybe there are those among us that believe that we are supposed to follow these rules and laws perfectly and, and thus please God. Or those in our neighborhoods who have just simply moved on from this idea that we are sinful people in need of salvation and forgiveness. And there's much more important things to worry about today. And these are the folks that we are called to witness to, to testify with our lips through our actions and our lifestyle of the hope that we have. And what we witness about. I think John the Baptist gives us this beautiful picture of what we are to witness to, the story that we are to share. Number one, who we are not. Number two, who Jesus is. And finally, number three, who we are in him. Who this Messiah is. John starts off with who we are not. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. This almost feels like a scriptural game of 20 questions. Or John can only answer yes and no. It also sounds like a process of a medical diagnosis. Whenever there is something wrong, doctors like to rule out the really scary things. See, John the Baptist, though, he's not a recycled person with a recycled purpose. John the Baptist is a one-off. He is unique. He has a one-time-in-the-history-of-the-world type of mission to prepare God's people for the ministry of Jesus Christ. There never has been or never will be another person tasked with this particular job. He is most definitely an unrepeatable miracle of God. And so are you. You see, the, the witness and the testimony that God has given to you, the people that he has given you to share this testimony with is also unique. That even though you are not the one in the wilderness proclaiming the coming of Jesus as John the Baptist did, you still do very much that same, have that same calling in the wilderness of your lives. And the people that you have access to are not people that I have access to. They're people that God has particularly given to you to share in your neighborhoods, maybe even in your own homes, who need to hear this testimony of who the Messiah is. If it's not about who you are not, then it must be about who this Messiah is. Only seven verses into John's gospel, and the apostle has flooded his hearers' ears with descriptive images of who this Jesus is, his identity, and his purpose. John the, calls him the Word. He calls him life. He calls him light. See, the Word is God's very own expression of himself wrapped up in flesh, all of his creative power made into a person. He is life. All things have their origin in him. 
as the creator of the universe, both in this life and restored in the next. And he is light, an illuminating power that is victorious over darkness. The apostle writes, in the beginning was the Word, the Word of God, there at the moment of creation, you have God expressing Himself in all of His power, in all of His authority, in all of His goodness. Through His Word, let there be and there was. And, and when God wanted to describe His presence to us in a face-to-face existence, He takes that same powerful Word and He wraps it around all over, in, with, and under the flesh and bone and muscle of Jesus Christ. God says, I want you to know me in a face-to-face relationship with me. And the creative power of the Word of God becomes flesh and dwells with us. It's amazing to me. And then the Creator, the, the one who made all of this, steps into His creation. That's really hard for me to get my mind around. Now, I, I think about... Uh, those who have created amazing works of art, masterpieces. And then you have people like perhaps Van Gogh, who, who not only made creative masterpieces, but from time to time painted himself, right? He painted himself and put himself right into his creation. But what Jesus does is he takes it a step further. Right, this would be like Michelangelo approaching the Sistine Chapel ceiling and saying, now not only do I need to restore this painting that has been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but I'm going to put myself into it. And I'm going to transform it and make it alive. You see, that's what Jesus does. He enters into this masterpiece that he has created And stepped into it, not just for the purpose of a a snapshot in time, but for the purpose of redemption, for redeeming, for reforming and recreating this world newly put right. Who Jesus is is also this life and light. During our family confirmation, Annalisa, she loves to point out that this time of creation That God, knowing that his creation would ultimately need something to bring them warmth, to bring them them life, that they would need this thing called light. And he makes it before the need is present. This light. You know, darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. And not only do we have this physical sense of what light is, but there's this spiritual sense to lightness and darkness as well, that light is all that is good, all that is right, and darkness, the absence of good, is just brokenness and evil. But we know from John that the darkness is overwhelmed and overcome by the light. 
That in these words we also sense the victory of Christ that is impending and already true. His power to save. The fullness of the world put right. You see, John the Baptist, John the Apostle, and even us ourselves, we know that we do not have the power to heal, but we know the one who does. Right? We don't have to be the one doing the saving, but we can point to the one who does. The greatest way for us to help others, to serve others, to love others, is to direct them to Jesus, to share our witness, to share our testimony, that they may hear and believe, to know of God's love that He he has powerful to express through his saving and restorative work. Because he knows that is each one of our deepest needs. Now learning how to share our witness of Christ more frequently and more effectively, it should be a high priority for us. To be more intentional with having Jesus' name on our lips, to be able to share the story he has given to us, but also... It has to do with our lifestyle as well, because if our words say one thing and our lives live a totally different life that's not congruent, then the world will say, that's not for me. One of the largest reasons why young people leave the church today is because they hear their parents confess Jesus, but they see their lives Sunday afternoon through Saturday being totally opposite of the faith they confess. See, who you are every moment of every day, especially around your neighbors and your friends, speak volumes of what it is that you really believe. And so it is our lifestyle as well as our words that combine to make the testimony that we share with the world. It's interesting to think about it that way. What if you were to think about every moment of your life, every possible experience that you have, every environment that you walk into with the intention to shine as little light as possible on you and as much of light as possible on God. See, John the Baptist was very sure of who he was not. He was very sure of who Jesus was, and he was very sure of who he was in Christ. John the Baptist said this in verse 23. He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the pathway of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says in, verse, in chapter 40, starting with verse 2. I love these words. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry out to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the desert a highway for our God. These words sound so incredibly tender and compassionate to me. Speak softly. The war is over. Your sins forgiven. The end of suffering and the coming kingdom and reign of God is, is upon you. These are words of tender mercy and hope and renewal and refreshment. 
words that we are to have on our lips. And I, I consider my own testimony, my own witness, the story that God has given for me personally to share. There was a process that was involved. Right? First, it's, it's important to consider and think about what it is that God has done in your life. What impacts, what changes, what transformations has he brought to you? And maybe it's, maybe it's bold and sudden transformation. Maybe it's a slow and steady faithful progression of constant growth and development in your walk with him. What is your story with God? To think about that, to consider that. And then prepare what to say. How do you put that into words? How do you phrase it just right? And I think, at least for me, this is a lifelong process, right? We, we, we constantly get better and better at it as we do it. At first, maybe it feels awkward uncomfortable. But I promise you, as you do it more and more, it gets easier and easier. In fact, you grow in your joy of being able to do it as it gets more and more commonplace for you. And as you do so, this is an encouragement for you. As, as you share the story that God has given to you, be less and less specific about the broken aspect of your life, the before story, right? Because the more specific you are with your before story of the brokenness, of the problems, of the struggle, then the smaller audience you have that will be able to connect with it. As you share specific details, somebody else sitting back will go, oh, I know, that's why we're not the same. But the more general you are with the brokenness, the better, because you include a larger audience. But be so specific. Be visually specific about the transformation that God brings, because that's what brings people hope. To know those details of God's love and care and renewal and restoration. Be vivid with those details. Enable people to see that reality for themselves. And when you share this testimony over and over again throughout your life, not only will other people hear your story, the story that God has given to you to bring change and healing, it'll give them hope that maybe if, if God can do amazing things for a joker like you and a messed up person like me, then my goodness, he can do it for anybody. But there's a side effect that happens. That when you share your testimony with the world, with your neighbors, even if they don't even receive it well, you receive healing. You receive joy. You receive peace in doing what God has created you to do. And in all of this story, make sure that God gets the credit, that it's not by your power that transformation and change happens, but by the grace and power and authority of God. <laughs> and there's times to share and times to be quiet. There's people that are safe to share with. There are people who need to hear. And you'll grow in your discernment of where and when and how. But practice. To know that I am not. But I do know I am. Louis Giglio says this, we can either choose to cling to our starring roles in the itty-bitty stories of us, or 
opt to exchange our fleeting moment in the spotlight for a supporting role in the eternally beautiful epic that is the story of God. This season of promise, what are you telling the world is important? Is your life centered on yourself, on your own needs or desires, or is there something more? John the Baptist quickly became very popular, yet he constantly and continually pointed to someone else who was coming that was far greater than he was. Who does your life point to? This season, we have the opportunity to point others to the promise of life and salvation that comes from Jesus alone. If you were to ask people what they thought your life pointed to, maybe you'd get different answers based on different people that you asked. And John the Baptist gives us a perfect example of pointing to one greater than himself. And I personally can't come close to that. I can try, but I'm no John the Baptist. I'm rather selfish, prideful, probably way more broken than John the Baptist, even though we're all sinful. My sin probably smells worse than his. But regardless of my sin, my life and yours can still point to Jesus as one greater than us, the one to whom we cry out, the one who forgives, the one who saves and restores, and even then, perhaps even especially in our shortcomings, our repentant hearts can point to Jesus as a clear witness to the one greater than ourselves. May this give you a peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This week, as you go about your life, sharing your witness, your testimony, think about this question as you involve yourself with conversations regarding faith with other people this week. How is your life a living testimony of what Jesus has done for you? Maybe that's verbal, maybe that's through your lifestyle, maybe it's both. But talk about that this week. How is your life a living testimony of what Jesus has done for you?